Section eleven of Confessions, volumes three and four. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions, volumes three and four, by Jean Jacques Rousseau, anonymously translated. Section eleven. Arrived at Thun, and myself well dried, we breakfasted together, after which it was necessary to settle the important business of preparing dinner. The young ladies cooked, kissing from time to time the farmer's children, while the poor scullion looked on grumbling. Provisions had been sent for from town, and there was everything necessary for a good dinner but unhappily they had forgotten wine this forgetfulness was by no means astonishing to girls who seldom drank any but i was sorry for the omission as i had reckoned on its help thinking it might add to my confidence they were sorry likewise and perhaps from the same motive though i have no reason to say this for their lively and charming gaiety was innocence itself besides there were two of them what could they expect from me they went everywhere about the neighbourhood to seek for wine but none could be procured so pure and sober are the peasants in those parts as they were expressing their concern i begged them not to give themselves any uneasiness on my account for while with them i had no occasion for wine to intoxicate me this was the only gallantry i ventured at during the whole of the day and i believe the sly rogues saw well enough that i said nothing but the truth we dined in the kitchen the two friends were seated on the benches one on each side the long table and their guest at the end between them on a three-legged stool what a dinner how charming the remembrance while we can enjoy at so small an expense such pure such true delights why should we be solicitous for others never did those petites soupes so celebrated in paris equal this i do not only say for real pleasure and gaiety but even for sensuality after dinner we were economical instead of drinking the coffee we had reserved at breakfast we kept it for an afternoon collation with cream and some cake they had brought with them to keep our appetites in play we went into the orchard meaning to finish our dessert with cherries i got into a tree throwing them down bunches from which they returned the stones through the branches one time mademoiselle gallet holding out her apron and drawing back her head stood so fair and i took such good aim 
that i dropped a bunch into her bosom on her laughing i said to myself why are not my lips cherries how gladly would i throw them there likewise thus the day passed with the greatest freedom yet with the utmost decency not a single equivocal word not one attempt at double meaning pleasantry yet this delicacy was not affected we only performed the parts our hearts dictated in short my modesty some will say my folly was such that the greatest familiarity that escaped me was once kissing the hand of mademoiselle gallet it is true the attending circumstances helped to stamp a value on this trifling favour we were alone i was embarrassed her eyes were fixed on the ground and my lips instead of uttering words were pressed on her hand which she drew gently back after the salute without any appearance of displeasure i know not what i should have said to her but her friend entered and at that moment i thought her ugly at length they bethought themselves that they must return to town before night even now we had but just time to reach it by daylight and we hastened our departure in the same order we came had i pleased myself i should certainly have reversed this order for the glance of mademoiselle gallet had reached my heart but i dared not mention it and the proposal could not reasonably come from her on the way we expressed our sorrow that the day was over but far from complaining of the shortness of its duration we were conscious of having prolonged it by every possible amusement i quitted them in nearly the same spot where i had taken them up with what regret did we part with what pleasure did we form projects to renew our meeting delightful hours which we passed innocently together yet were worth ages of familiarity the sweet remembrance of those days cost those amiable girls nothing the tender union which reigned among us equalled more lively pleasures with which it could not have existed we loved each other without shame or mystery and wished to continue our reciprocal affection there is a species of enjoyment connected with innocence of manners which is superior to any other because it has no interval for myself the remembrance of such a day touches me nearer delights me more and returns with greater rapture to my heart than any other pleasure i ever tasted i hardly knew what i wished with those charming girls 
i do not say that had the arrangement been in my power i should have divided my heart between them i certainly felt some degree of preference though i should have been happy to have had mademoiselle de g for a mistress i think by choice i should have liked her better as a confidante be that as it may i felt on leaving them as though i could not live without either who would have thought that i should never see them more and that here our ephemeral amours must end those who read this will not fail to laugh at my gallantries and remark that after very promising preliminaries my most forward adventures concluded by a kiss of the hand yet be not mistaken reader in your estimate of my enjoyments i have perhaps tasted more real pleasure in my amours which concluded by a kiss of the hand than you will ever have in yours which at least begin there venture who had gone to bed late the night before came in soon after me i did not now see him with my usual satisfaction and took care not to inform him how i had passed the day the ladies had spoken of him slightingly and appeared discontented at finding me in such bad hands this hurt him in my esteem besides whatever diverted my ideas from them was at this time disagreeable however he soon brought me back to him and myself by speaking of the situation of my affairs which was too critical to last for though i spent very little my slender finances were almost exhausted i was without resource no news of madame de varence not knowing what would become of me and feeling a cruel pang at heart to see the friend of mademoiselle gallet reduced to beggary i now learned from venture that he had spoken of me to the judge major and would take me next day to dine with him that he was a man who by means of his friends might render me essential service in other respects he was a desirable acquaintance being a man of wit and letters of agreeable conversation one who possessed talents and loved them in others after this discourse mingling the most serious concerns with the most trifling frivolity he showed me a pretty couplet which came from paris on an air in one of mouret's operas which was then playing monsieur simon the judge major was so pleased with this couplet that he determined to make another in answer to it on the same air he had desired venture to write one 
and he wished me to make a third that as he expressed it they might see couplets start up next day like incidents in a comic romance in the night not being able to sleep i composed a couplet as my first essay in poetry it was passable better or at least composed with more taste than it would have been the preceding night the subject being tenderness to which my heart was now entirely disposed in the morning i showed my performance to venture who being pleased with the couplet put it in his pocket without informing me whether he had made his we dined with Monsieur Simon, who treated us very politely. The conversation was agreeable. Indeed, it could not be otherwise between two men of natural good sense, improved by reading. For me, I acted my proper part, which was to listen without attempting to join in the conversation neither of them mentioned the couplet nor do i know that it ever passed for mine Monsieur simon appeared satisfied with my behaviour indeed it was almost all he saw of me at this interview we had often met at madame de varence but he had never paid much attention to me it is from this dinner therefore that i date our acquaintance which though of no use in regard to the object i then had in view was afterwards productive of advantages which make me recollect it with pleasure i should be wrong not to give some account of this person since from his office of magistrate and the reputation of wit on which he piqued himself no idea could be formed of it the judge-major simon certainly was not two feet high his legs spare straight and tolerably long would have added something to his stature had they been vertical but they stood in the direction of an open pair of compasses his body was not only short but thin being in every respect of most inconceivable smallness when naked he must have appeared like a grasshopper his head was of the common size to which appertained a well-formed face a noble look and tolerably fine eyes in short it appeared a borrowed head stuck on a miserable stump he might very well have dispensed with dress for his large wig alone covered him from head to foot he had two voices perfectly different which intermingled perpetually in his conversation forming at first a diverting but afterwards a very disagreeable contrast one grave and sonorous was if i may hazard the expression the voice of his head the other clear sharp and piercing the voice of his body 
when he paid particular attention and spoke leisurely so as to preserve his breath he could continue his deep tone but if he was the least animated or attempted a lively accent his voice sounded like the whistling of a key and it was with the utmost difficulty that he could return to the base with the figure i have just described and which is by no means overcharged m simon was gallant ever entertaining the ladies with soft tales and carrying the decoration of his person even to foppery willing to make use of every advantage he during the morning gave audience in bed for when a handsome head was discovered on the pillow no one could have imagined what belonged to it this circumstance gave birth to scenes which i am certain are yet remembered by all annecy end of section 11 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey